Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you as normal. Some show notes really fast before we jump into the interview today. If you are looking for some professional wrestling tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, as usual. Supreme Wrestling, running the first of two days today in Madison, Indiana, Rocky Mountain Pro in Inglewood, Colorado, and KFW in Sevierville, Tennessee. Tomorrow night, CWC in Colorado Springs, Colorado, EPW in Odin, Indiana, FCW in Pikeville, Kentucky, Russell Arts in Indianapolis, Indiana, SSW in Mount Carmel, Tennessee, and Supreme Wrestling back for night two in Madison, Indiana. But right now, the good son, Andrew Michelson, and I would like to welcome to the program our guest today. She will be at the aforementioned CWC show in Colorado Springs. Pandemonium, thank you for being on today. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I greatly appreciate being invited to be on your show. Well, since it is your first time with us, I'm going to lead you off today with our traditional first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Oh, that's that's such a loaded question. Um, well, I've always liked wrestling. Me and my dad used to watch it back in the 80s and early 90s together. Um, I followed it all the way through middle school and a little bit of high school back in the 90s. Um, but honestly, I joined professional wrestling a little bit later in life compared to some of the people that are doing it now. Um, so one year I felt like I was just stagnant with playing, um, indoor soccer, outdoor soccer, and just kind of being bored with life. And I went to a show, um, that one of my friends was in, um, with CSW Colorado Springs Wrestling. And I was like, I want to do that. I I really want to do that. And my fiance at the time was like, you don't want to do that. And I said, no, I I really want to, I want to at least try. I want to work out. I don't know if I want to perform in a ring, but I need a different workout. And that looks fun and interesting and just something completely different. Um, So that was my New Year's resolution uh, two and a half years ago. Here we are now and I'm still doing it and I'm still loving it. And some days are hard, but um I did it off of a whim that I was bored, and I found something that I truly love and feel inspired by everybody around me. Now, you have been involved in a lot of very physical, very hard-hitting, some would say hardcore matches even. When you first envisioned getting into professional wrestling, were you prepared for how physical of a business it is, or did you not really have any idea of the extremes you would eventually get to in this? 
So I knew the physical part of like taking bumps, doing acrobatic stuff, um, not trying to not be as clumsy as I typically am. Um, so I knew and I was prepared for that one mentally. I was unaware and I thought I would never be in a hardcore match in my life. Like I was like, I don't like um, death matches. I still to this day, I'm not a huge fan of death matches, but I did my first hardcore match um, this last October and it was, an absolute blast and I had such a fun time and it was so different um, but it was absolutely incredible it was insane so much blood um, of both mine and the other person's but it was it was amazing one of the aspects of pro wrestling that has had its controversies in the last few years is the use of blood in pro wrestling a lot of states have athletic commissions that require blood work, and you have to make sure everything's clean. Other states have no athletic commission, so anything goes. You may or may not have someone checking blood work. Because we know more, medically speaking, on blood-borne pathogens, a lot of people frown on intentional use of it. Some see it as... Mm-hmm. Okay, in certain situations, others have no problem with blood in practically every match that goes to the ring. Where do you sit the use of blood in pro wrestling? Um, I don't like the overuse of blood. I don't like the scaring, trying to scare people and the fear complexity of using blood. Um, I will say in a majority of my promotions, they do not use blood, nor do they um, like to see blood purposely used um, with gigging or anything. Um, I will say that I myself and the wrestlers that I am around, we do blood work um, regularly. We do get checkups regularly um, and prior to matches. And so we take that upon ourselves because here in Colorado, they do not have those rules as far as I'm aware because I've never um, been shown paperwork of that. I know, like, uh, where is it? Oklahoma, you have to have certain paperwork in. You have to have certain documentation in. Washington completely, the state of Washington outlaws blood of um, any kind, and there's a commissioner at every single wrestling event there. Um, But I was fortunate with the one hardcore match that I did do, it was somebody that I knew had, who had also gotten blood work done um, and all sorts of testing done just prior to the show as well so that we were safe and we also um, weren't trying to also smear blood all over ourselves or um, each other or even getting the audience involved in it. Um, so we try to take every precaution that we can with keeping everybody safe um, as much as possible. Speaking of the commission here in Washington, uh, like I said, some places have them, some don't, and also varies a lot in how strict they are. Do you, as a general rule, think that it's a good idea for to have athletic commissions that oversee wrestling, or do you think that things should be up to the individual promoters and wrestlers to decide how they want to do things? Um, I want to say it should be individualized on a case-by-case basis, and I'm not sure if that would be statewide 
um, or even promotion specific, honestly. Um, I think that people should be able to monitor themselves, but sometimes that monitoring falls to wayside when you're trying to get butts in the seats and or get the biggest pop that you can. Um, so I have really no input on who should watch it, but it should be monitored by somebody. Should that be the government? I, I can't say either way, um, just because I can't see here in Colorado, honestly, a commissioner coming to every single event because anywhere in the state at times, some weekends, there are five different events on one weekend, and I don't even know what the state would do um, with being able to fill that commissioner's seat to go down to Pueblo, out to Canyon City. There's two or three up in Denver sometimes running within the same weekend or down in Colorado Springs, uh, Johnstown, you know, all over the state. So I don't, I think whatever the state thinks should go, but um, it definitely just should be on, it should rest on somebody's shoulders, but who it is, I don't know. As someone that has done a little bit of traveling for wrestling and has made some towns, what are some of the travel tips you would give to someone just getting their start so that they can make sure their wrestling trip is successful? So I reached out to a couple of more senior um, wrestlers as well as I do burlesque as well. Um, that's kind of how I got into wrestling. But um, I reached out about longer haul trips. So number one, get your car checked if you're driving. Get the oil change. Get um, a once-over look from your mechanic that you trust. Check all the fluids and whatnot. Um, always have a tire um a tire inflator in the car. Um, I always carry that whenever I go to Denver now. Um, when I went to Texas, I borrowed one to make sure that just in case anything happens, you always have that inflator just in case because you never know. Uh, snacks are a must. Um, any type of snack that you like, drink, buy it beforehand. Don't stop at too many gas stations because gas stations can be sketchy in small towns. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, it's not the best thing. You know, you, you have to stop for gas, but the least amount of stopping that you can do, the better, the quicker um, with it as well. And then always take an extra day or two worth of clothes because you never know, and especially here in Colorado, and I imagine up there in Washington, sometimes those passes close um, with the snow, or if it rains really, really hard, we get landslides. So take an extra set, um, one or two days, depending on how far you're traveling. And let somebody know, get a get one of those apps that has tracking and somebody that you trust to just be able to know where you're at just in case you don't have cell service, they know your last location and they know your route um, would be my best um, advice there. And then if you can, take a buddy. It's always easier to drive anywhere with a buddy because um, driving six to eight hours by yourself is never truly enjoyable for anybody, at least that I know of. Um, it sucks. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, in a similar vein, obviously, wrestlers rely on their actual physical travel bag to get all of what they need from show to show 
and it's important to make sure things are going to be organized and undamaged and kept clean and dry. Do you have a specific brand or type of travel bag that you found that works for you the best? I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly. My um, gear bag is not big enough. Um, I have come to figure out just because I like to take an extra set of knee pads just in case if I have to use my extra outfit. You know, I bring at least two different color outfits um, or gear to the shows because I don't want to fit, like, match everybody, but I also don't want to match my opponent at the same time. So I always want to have at least two different colors, um, a third color if I can fit it. Um, I don't have a bag that's big enough, and so I'm still searching. And a lot of the guys that I look around to, they do um, the size of a check bag, honestly, is what they bring to every show because it has their gear and multiple sets of gear and extra gear and um, first aid kits and drinks um, and snacks in there with them um, for whatever they need before the match to make sure that they're good. So I'm still searching, working on it. I'll let you know when I find something. Sounds like a solid plan there. Well, at this point, my co-host, the good son, Andrew Michelson, is standing by. I know the good son has some questions, so I'm going to pass things to him for a bit. All right. Um, okay. So uh, I had a question. Oh. So, you know, speaking of traveling and stuff, um, most wrestlers I know, um, at least most of the ones I talk to and even myself, always have, like, a bucket list of places we, you'd love to travel, love to, like, work. What is, like, your top three places you'd really want to travel and work for? Oh, boy. Um, I wasn't expecting that one because I have some goals. But, honestly, I would probably love to get to the East Coast um, somewhere, whether it's New York. Um, Perfect Aaron is somebody that I kind of idolize out in New York. He is absolutely fantastic. I would love to go out there. Um, I know that I would love to go to Ohio um, and perform for my family out in the Columbus area um, eventually, and that would be absolutely fun. Um, and it would be just entertaining just try new things. Uh, and then probably, honestly, Florida or Alaska, um, just to go okay. to two opposite ends of the earth, obviously, for the U.S., um, Florida, because that's where everything is. That's where um, I'm not worried about the size of the promotions, but you have some really great names out there. And Ryzen, who I feel is a really good mentor, um, says, you know, Florida's the place to be. And then Alaska, I know that the 907 um, has a really great promotion up there. Um, so I think those are my long-term goals. And obviously Japan, everybody wants to go to Japan at some point. Um, yeah. That's a little far out there, but you know, still shooting for that with getting around the United States and putting myself out there. Yeah. 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 yeah that's honestly, that's my top of my bucket list to Japan. I think that I, like I said, I think that's everyone's. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you speak about like goals for like traveling and stuff. What's like your biggest goal um, in wrestling? Like, you said, you know, you got in it kind of, you know, later than some others. So, like, what's your biggest goal to, that you want to reach? Um, truly, I mean, every wrestler wants to be on AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, um, New Japan. You know, that's that's always yeah. our far, far goal, reaching high up there. 
um, something that's more achievable. I would love to honestly be an extra on one of those shows, regardless, being a security guard that just gets the crap beat out of them or a hip toss or shoved to the side and play dead. Um, that's more of a realistic one for me just because of the age, but I would just, I would love to be able to spend time and pick the brains of all of the amazing wrestlers that are current and even those who are retired just to get to know their story and gain uh, education from them. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's been like kind of a, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years and I think that's where a lot of people forget is that they're, are those people that are in that have been doing this for way longer and just the pit brains and think they know everything. It's like, you know, you got to like actually pick the brains of people. Yes. And Bob Evans, bless his heart. I freaking love that man. Bob Evans. Oh, he's amazing. He is absolutely fantastic at giving advice, information, input, whatever you want. And he is there. I love him to death. Uncle Bob is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, yeah, I've gotten to talk to Brutal Bob a couple of times. He's really good. Yeah. yeah uh, him and uh, Martin Casales were like two that I've learned the most from. Excellent. Always yeah. got to pick So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you go. So, um, you know, speaking of um, that, you know, picking people's brains and stuff, is there someone you like kind of based more of your moves set off of or did you kind of like do a mixture of a lot of people or is there like a certain person you're like oh I really like them so you kind of like work more in their stuff into yours so funny enough um, I kind of mix and match I'm really into Oscar's moveset right now just because I'm a smaller um, person I'm shorter but funny enough I take from Hulk Hogan the bear hug just because panda, duh, bear hug. Yeah, um, makes And sense. it's rarely ever seen in women's wrestling, and it's rarely done yeah. really well um, regardless. So I use that. So I had to pick from Hulk Hogan just because one of the great um, legends oh. from back then. And um, But Asuka just has – Asuka and I think Shayna Baszler have some of the best women's um, submission holds. And – just because I'm small, I'm not going to have those massive, huge, like, blow-up, um, you know, slams that most of these guys can have. I'm not going to be able to yeah. pick up a dude that's 250, but, you know, what? I can give you a code breaker. I can give you um, an octopus lock, and it still works all the same as that big move for a submission. So um, I pick and I go around, like, I want to do a twist of fate to somebody just because I love Lita, and I want to pay homage to her. Um, for being one go. of the first. So it's it's still evolving. All my moveset is still evolving, yeah. still finding what fits the character for sure. Oh, no, and I, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years, and my, my moveset is still evolving. So that's, that's really cool that, you you know, you're finding what works for you because that's where a lot of people do mess up is they just they think, oh, I can do this move, and then, they're like, oh, I can't, so they don't know where to go. They, you know, they just kind of focus on one thing. So that's really cool that, you know, you look at different aspects of everything. I've always been one that uh, I like to see mixtures of people using stuff instead of just one specific, you know, person. So that's really cool. Yeah, I try to do that just because, you know, here I get placed up against some dudes that are 250, 300 pounds, like big muscle men. There's no way in hell I'm going to be able to lift 
anything of that, even with their jumps, and it just makes it unrealistic. So I'm going to do what I can as a small human and be kind of that tiny little short pit bull um, that's kind yeah. of annoying, like, you know, Ivy. Um, we'll yeah. Just do it that way. Uh, yeah. No, I love that. No, that's it. Like, no, I definitely know that feeling because, I mean, I'm – I'm very small, um, you know, so I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's like you want – got to find that moveset that works for you that's going to make it still look impactful because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I'm I'm 5'11", but I'm 170 pounds if I'm lucky. So, yeah, me lifting, a, you know, like you said, you know, you're lifting a 250-pound man. It's it's not realistic if you're, you know – so that's that's cool that you're yeah. – you know, like you said, that, that, that pit bull, that – I love that. Like, I love that uh, – yeah. In, metaphor, you know where I was. Where's the heart? I appreciate it. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's it, that is really cool. Like, you know, I I always like to see the littler people adapt more because we are in a sport where the bigger men are more known. So it's like I like to see mm-hmm. that we have, you know, people that are you know doing this. So that's really cool. Yes, absolutely. And Rey Mysterio has always been one of my favorites. Oh. From the early, early 90s as tiny little skinny Ray, um, yep. even unmasked Ray, doing these crazy things. I am almost 40, though, and I'm not doing some of these crazy flips and stuff that he's yeah. doing. Um, but I can take something from him because he's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Actually, speaking of Ray, that's kind of funny because my uh, first wrestling name was actually Hummingbird. So, like, I'm like, I still wear, you know, that's kind of because he was one of my idols, too. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, your first wrestling name was Hummingbird. I'm like... You forget Ray Mysterio's was Hummingbird too. <laughs> <laughs> of so, uh, they would. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I love the fact that like yeah Ray is definitely one that I think everyone should you can learn from Ray even being you know especially being a small person like the, you know Ray X Pac Jeff Hardy all the like smaller guys look into the, you know so that's really cool that you know I mean shoot oh, I use the three yeah oh X Pac. I mean, He's I use amazing. the three amigos. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I use the three amigos to honor Eddie every time. So you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. But no, that's awesome. Um, I had this question. Now I thought lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, you were talking about you how you've done uh, like you've done a few hardcore matches and stuff. Um, what is pro? Okay, this is. Gonna be- What's the worst thing you've ever been hit with in a hardcore match? Like, worst weapon, whatever, you know? Worst weapon? Um, So I've done one hardcore match. I have been hit with a chair. Um, But I think the worst, it was funny because, so story time here, my kid, my youngest, was having her birthday party that night um, that we had this casket match um scheduled for she's like i just want to have my birthday party there and have friends so her and her sister okay. invite a bunch of her friends well hussy steel um made cupcakes as a gift for her saying hashtag panda sucks because that's that was hussy's thing um yeah. and Kay daver took one of those cupcakes and like full force shoved it like almost down my throat to where i was gagging and almost threw up in the middle of the match um, just for how hard that cupcake was shoved into my mouth. Um, so I think that one was kind of a hardcore one. Um, we had kendo sticks. We had we didn't get to use the hockey sticks that night. There were um, trays and chairs and um, all sorts of crazy things. Um, but I think that cupcake, like, 
did me in because it literally made me gag to where I couldn't breathe for a hot second. Ooh, and then it would yeah, suck that, my that chin, so it looked crazy. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Worst thing I think I've ever done was the um, the electric fly swatter. Those aren't fun. That's a good idea, though. Oh, it a little looked, bit of a shock. It looked great. Yeah, it looked <laughs> great, but it hurt. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that. That one would burn yeah. a little bit with the sting, it, so yeah. might have to try that one next time. Yeah, the sting and then the sweat, and also like this was outside. Uh, oh. So a little, so yeah, sorry. Was I was I started in the backyard, you know, like most people, and we had this match, and my opponent poured water on me and then hit me with it. So not only was I sweating, I had water on me, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're a dick." <laughs> was that regulated? Was, was that safe? Probably not, but we learned a lesson that day, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we well, and I was like 17 at the time. I want to say. Yeah, because I started, yep. you know, I, I I started when I was sixteen. I was, I was young. <laughs> I was yes, young. And I young, was so I thought that, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, hey, it looks cool, and then I'm like, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> we learned a lesson. Everything's a learning yep. opportunity. Oh that, yeah. So. And yeah, I think but it that's great. Yeah. Oh, it looked amazing, but oh, never again. But, and, like, yeah, you know, you did say, like, you know, wrestling is a learning experience. Um, What's probably the best thing you've learned so far? Oh, there's there's too much to just pick one. Um, I want to say you have to keep learning um, is the number one thing. You have to keep training is a huge thing um, for me. Like, regardless of anything else you have to train if you want to be in that ring in order to not just keep yourself safe and be as strong as you can, but to also keep your partner and the other person or persons in the ring, keep them safe. Because if you're not doing that cardio, if you're not doing that strength training, you're not doing the basic movesets, accidents happen and those can be life changing events, unfortunately for people um, that you could have caused. So I think always have that open mindset of I can do better. I need to train. Um, and I must, I must, I must, I must, and follow through with it. And don't say that, you know, I can be booked because I've been doing this for eight years, but where are you training at? Well, I haven't been training, you know, for the last couple of years, but I've been in shows every month. That's not training. You got lucky, unfortunately on that. Um, so I'd say just you always have to keep training. You always have to keep going and pushing through if you want to continue with the sport. No, I, yeah, I definitely agree there. You know, one of the best things I ever heard was the minute you think you're perfect, get out of this business. Because the minute yeah. you don't yep. think you can learn anything or you're you're got get out. Because like you said, the simplest injury could have or the simplest move could cause cause an injury that you know. You know, best example, look at uh, just, uh, what was it, a year or two ago with Biggie uh, broke his mm-hmm. neck just off of a simple belly-to-belly, mm-hmm. you know, just because you never know what can happen. Yeah. I mean, yep. I've had my, I've had my knees dislocated, broken fingers, you name it, you know, off of simple things. Yep. And that's what's scary uh, is that you have to make sure that the other person also is training, strength training, um, conditioning, and is going to be okay with your comfort level and you're okay with their comfort level at the same time. So I think just listening and working together versus trying to put in your moves to make you look good and your shine, um, that's when it gets dangerous. So 
always know to keep no, everybody great. safe, keep going, and train, train, train. No, I completely agree. Like, you know, because, you know, you do get that those people that just want to make themselves look good and, oh, well, uh, well, I do this, this, and this. Well, I don't feel comfortable taking that move because, you know, one move I've always been very nervous to take and I've, you know, was is a German suplex. I have never doubted. Yeah, because it is one, it's such a dangerous move. Like, even if I'm taking it right, if the person's not giving it right, you're you're doomed. So, yeah. like, I've I've been always you know, but you know, and I've had I've been in locker rooms where someone was like, well, I do this, this, and this, and someone's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And he's like, well, oh, you'll be fine. Well, like, I think you do have to take the person's uh, comfortability because you might not know what those people are capable of. Yes. And if you're not comfortable like, with it, just kill it in the ring. Just don't don't yep, do it. Exactly, because like you said, you might be booked for the last eight years, but are you training for those? You know, be, like yep. you said, you got lucky because, and if you're doing moves that you don't know you're capable of, yeah, it's you could harm someone, and that's I think. Yes. You know, I've always said this: this business is about a it's a dance. If you don't trust your partner, and you can't, and your partner can't trust you the dance is going to be awful. You can't, you know, be like that. I, yes, absolutely, completely agree 100% with that. Germans are one of the scarier things to me because I have been dumped on my head. I've been dumped on my upper back. I already have neck issues from car accidents and soccer um, and playing goalie, so I can't afford that. Um, so Germans are one thing that I am definitely terrified of. Now, Lilith Grimm gave me a perfect German, and hers is a little bit different. Rather than doing, like, Chad Gable to where either they hold on or it's directly behind, it's a pickup and then throw over the shoulder style to where you just you take that back bump. Um, and nobody else yeah. has ever been able to give me one like that. And I don't really trust anybody else at this point in time just yet to give me um, a German. So I agree with that 100%. No, yeah, and I, and that thing is, yeah, like a German like that, where it's just the those are good. It's, but you know, like, like you said, like Gable, Lesnar, all them. It's like you don't know if you don't land right, you're doomed. And if someone's not doing it right, just because they might look big enough that they can do it, doesn't mean they should be doing it. I've seen, I've seen guys who are 250 pounds look like they can bench me, give someone my size of a German and almost break their neck because they didn't mm-hmm. do it properly because they thought I'm big and strong, but they can't lift the person. It's like, you, you got to know your own strength, I think too. Or they don't lift them the right way because they're not used to the size variation at the same time. Cause all the guys exactly. that I was training with at one point were like, yeah, I can give a German. So I was like, I've never taken away. He's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So I took it on a crash pad luckily. But yeah. um, because I'm shorter than all the other guys that were there, he didn't grab low enough, so I didn't get that full upper um, extension, and I got dumped on the top of my shoulders, and I was like, no, yeah. I'm out for a week now because we tried something. Sorry, guys. Exactly. No, and that's, that's exactly it. I think some people just need to know their own strengths. Like me, I know I'm not – like, I'm a little guy, but I'm not going out trying to do the craziest high-flying moves because – I'm I can't do a you know flips out of nowhere like other guys, so I yep. go for brawling. I'm a smaller guy that brawls. Do yep. I do some stuff like but yeah. So and I think that's the thing is so, you know, yeah, definitely you got to know your own strengths and weaknesses. Yes. I can't open the six. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> got distracted. Um, well, that's 
that's um that's all I got from now for me. Um, what do you got, Sunny Guy? Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is something else that is sort of a topic that people are passionate on both sides of. That is live commentary during the course of wrestling shows. Some shows do it as a way to educate newer fan bases. Uh, Some promotions do it because they want to keep fans having the same experience as they would watching a television show. But there's a lot of people that do live commentary that do not fully grasp how to do it well. I would say the bigger percentage does not know how to do it well. Do you do many shows where they do over the PA commentary, and do you have an opinion on the use of that? Um, I don't necessarily have an opinion, um, except for the fact of when I go to, like, AEW, shows that are local, I just wish that I could hear them just because I love hearing the dumb comments sometimes that they make, but then some of the um, pointing something out that maybe I couldn't see from wherever my seat is. Um, I have not been, as far as I remember, at a show that had live commentary during our matches. Um, We can hear them when we're at Primo's because their um, table is so close to the ring. Sometimes you can hear them um, in some of the commentary. Um, but a lot of the times, um, we get to hear the commentary afterwards. Um, I am neither here nor there on commentary, just, but WWE, I love just listening to some of the comments that they make. So when I go to the shows, I would love to hear it, but I understand that that's just not realistic for a giant arena with echoes and everything, um, in that case. Fair enough. Now, most wrestlers, when they look at their careers, they have a favorite venue where they've wrestled, whether it's because of the aesthetics of the building or because of the fan base that normally goes to the venue or because of how close it is to their home, whatever the case may be. Most of us have that venue where we most look forward to going. Do you, at this point, have a favorite venue? Favorite venues overall, um, they're my favorite for different reasons. So first one that comes to mind is in Borger, Texas. It's the Borger Dome. Um, It's this giant, white, weird dome in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in an oil oil rig town that – we did a show um, with MPW, and it was it was incredible inside. The acoustics were fantastic. It's a giant ball that we just had the ring right in the middle. Super awesome. Um, so that venue was just aesthetically um, and acoustically just amazing for everything. Um, there's the place called the Oriental up in Denver. Um, the Triple L, Lucha Libre and Laughs um, performs that. And it's a giant stage that they perform wrestling on. Um, So you have actual seating and everything. And that place is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely um, amazing. I have not performed there um, just yet or had anything but set up, tear down, and just watching a show there is a treat in itself. Um, And then, honestly, 
the smaller festivals that we do locally, whether it's here, whether it's in Denver, and just doing those live shows in the middle of the day um, for fans, whether they meant to be there at, like, Taco Fest up in Boulder um, or Colorado Springs. Um, we did the Hispanic Heritage Festival down there. That was a lot of fun. Um, this coming summer, we're going to be doing live pro wrestling at Colorado Springs Pride Festival. Um, and I'm looking so forward to that, to getting to meet new people and bringing this sport to different fans that didn't know possibly that we had it here or the younger generation at the same time and just showing that what we can do and just how much fun this business can be. You probably have been around enough to pick up that when it comes to the role of the ring announcers, especially on the independent circuit, quality and experience can vary quite a bit. A good ring announcer is going to help enhance the show, make things clear for the fans on how to continue to support and put money in the pockets of the promoter. A bad ring announcer is going to make things harder for the fans to follow. It's going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to angry wrestlers. So having a quality ring announcer is very, very vital to a successful wrestling promotion. Who are some of the ring announcers out there that you've experienced that promoters should really take a hard look at if they want a good one? Um, So first off is my guy, Skylar Ebarb. Um, He works uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling, Primo's. Um, He's done a couple of other promotions um, as well, but he's out of Colorado Springs directly. He is one of my favorite people, um, and how he got into it was just simply going to a show, and he's like, I want to do this, and he contacted a bunch of promoters and asked if he could audition with them. Um, he has an amazing voice, amazing personality, interacts with the crowd, um, and he dresses up, um, awkwardly at times and amazingly to interact with the crowd and sometimes fit with a theme. Like last month he was a pirate because we were at a beach party. Um, But also sometimes getting into the ring when necessary and um, taking a few bumps. He dressed up um, when we had gimmick infringement as Tyra Rusume, um, one of my idols here out of Primo's um, and the former women's champ of CSW and Primo's. Um, So he dressed up as her because, you know, flattery and mocking her at the same time was just amazing. So I'd say Skylar Ebarb is my number one. Um, Misty, let me find Misty's last name because I don't want to screw that up. She's with MPW, um, and she was also with um, RCW out of Canyon City. Um, So Misty was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Oh, poop. Misty Storm, sorry. Um, But, yeah, she's out of Motivate Pro Wrestling down in Borger. Um, Renegade Championship Wrestling um, is what she was with. She's absolutely fantastic as well. Um, Those are my two top ones. Um, We're changing up things in primos and having some new and different ring announcers. So I can actually update you within the next couple months because they only started last month. Um, and maybe two months ago at the most um, with the ring announcers. So they're getting more comfortable as we continue with our shows. 
other roles that is very important in professional wrestling that may not seem like it to the fans or even to people in the business is the role of the referee and much like the ring announcer, especially on the independent circuit, the quality varies tremendously. Some promoters don't put much stock into the role, so they will literally put a referee shirt on anybody and send them to the ring and let them ruin the match. Some promoters look at training and experience and know what a referee can do to save a bad match and help out younger wrestlers, and they will only use a certain quality of referee. You've been around enough. You've probably seen a gamut of referees. What would you say are some of the referees out there that are the best at what they do from what you've seen? Number one, Rob Buster. Um, Rob Buster is my hero. Um, he gives it his all. He communicates amazingly. He talks to everybody, uh, checks in with wrestlers, um, manages time extremely well, um, and communicates with both, whereas I've had um, referees that only talk to one of the wrestlers, and it doesn't help when we're across the ring from each other um, trying to go home at the same time. Um, so number one, Rob Buster. Number two, Alice Lane, and you guys were talking about Rocky Mountain Pro. Alice Lane at the Rocky Mountain Pro is a gem of um, a ref. She talks, she gives you that show, same as Rob, um, facial expressions, communication, um, and she adds a flair that I had not seen before her um, to the show as well. So I have to give a shout-out to her. And then Skylar Barrier, um, Right now, he's, uh, I believe he's training or deployed or just got back from deployment, um, but he works all over Colorado as well. Um, previous wrestler, amazing um, theatrics, communication, uh, time management, um, and just adds uh, just a little flair. Um, the first time I got to see him actually ref was in what's called a burlesque match down here um, with Combat Cabaret. And he actually ended up, just like the wrestlers, stripping in the middle of a wrestling match because that's what it called for, um, and he played right along with it. So those are my top three of Rob Buster, Alice Lane, and Skylar Barrier. All right, we will have to keep our eyes on them for sure. You're my favorite sign guy. I appreciate that. Oh. Well, shoot, you know, I, you know, if you're on the card, I always make sure you're my ref. That is very true. You do. Hmm? Panda, one of the things that is vital if someone is going to do anything in the business is, of course, getting the proper training and finding a good, reputable school is not always easy depending on where you're at and what's available. Uh, some people, unfortunately, will just go to whatever the closest school is. Uh, they don't really check into credentials or quality of training or experience. They'll just go to the closest, which often leads to disaster. Some people will research for months, and they will go watch the shows associated with the schools, 
They will talk to people. They will research it and find the right fit for them. There's a lot of really great schools. There are some ones that are questionable. What are some of the ones that you would recommend if someone came to you and they wanted to start professional wrestling? Depends on how far they're willing to travel. Um, so just like you were saying, doing your homework on that um, and following up. So I train at two different schools currently. So my most favorite one um, is unfortunately the farthest one away that's up in Westminster, Colorado, called uh, Primo's Butcher Shop. Um, so I always highlight going there because you have an array of trainers. You have people that have um, multiple years, and I'm not talking like five, six, seven years worth of wrestling. I'm talking 15 plus, 10 plus at least um, that all these trainers um, are working with you at and have all of that knowledge and experience. So Primo's Butcher Shop, absolutely love them. They have multiple trainers, different days, are different workouts, different styles. They do lucha, they do strong style. Um, sometimes they just do blow up drills just depending upon who's there at the same time. Um, but Primo's Butcher Shop is great. Um, I go also to One Revolution Wrestling um, training right now, um, and that is a butt-kicking time of strength training, polishing basics right now, just because everybody's a little bit rusty with the holidays, um, and then putting movesets together. Um, they will gas you. We have the Terminator, which is I did the light Terminator the other day, and I'm absolutely sore from it um, for the first time. And it was the light version, so I can't imagine doing the full version, um, but I'll get there eventually. Um, those are the two that I go to, to where – you know, primos, they train for two and a half hours every night, and they have classes uh, six or seven days a week, just depending on who's available and who's showing up. Um, right now, ORW has two times a week um, for four hours, three hours, sorry, three hours a piece, um, and they're moving it to a third day more than likely. So the longer training sessions are, while it, it kind of sucks, that's when you start to learn and actually get into it after the hour and a half. Um, at the same time, you need to train more than just three hours a week. Um, you know, you got to get in there six, seven, ten hours a week worth of training is where you're going to see a lot more growth and a lot more potential. Um, and you're you're probably not going to progress if you get anything less than that, because I was doing only three hours a week um, with a previous school, and it wasn't enough. And I learned that the hard way um, with wrestling. So look into the schools, do do your homework, um, you know, put in that time, put in that effort. If it's something that you truly want, commit to it. Make that commitment and make sure that you make it a priority. Um, just because, like we said, keeping safe, getting trained properly, because we do some dangerous stuff. Um, even the smallest things can turn out really poorly if you're not trained the right way. So I've been fortunate to have some really amazing trainers that have been doing this for 25, 30 years, some of them, honestly, and they're absolutely fantastic. Um, but put in that work and do your research around your area for sure. Now, one of the things that a lot of people within the business are very passionate on is the Cauliflower Alley Club. It started as sort of a benevolent foundation. Uh, they are a nonprofit that will assist wrestlers if they have 
financial difficulty, whether it's due to illness or if they are struggling to pay for a mortgage or what have you, they have the annual reunion, and in the last several years, that reunion has been opened up to the public, so fans and anyone else can attend, whereas before it was closed to specifically people within the industry, but the CAC still attracts a lot of people to the annual convention in Las Vegas. Uh, they now have live shows attached to the CAC. There are training sessions. There are seminars, cribbage tournaments. Lots of legendary wrestlers attend every year, people from the independents. Lots of fans now go. Is the CAC something that you have ever experienced or shown an interest in attending? I never knew about it until you just now told me, honestly, and I just looked it up and it looks absolutely fantastic for what um, they have to offer and what they do um, as a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. So I'm going to definitely do my research and look into this. I have interest in um, looking into it and becoming a member, definitely. I will point out there are tiers of membership as well. You can do an a yearly membership, and you can also do a lifetime membership. So there are options out there. For you. Perfect. All right. Well, good. Son, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Uh, not that I can think of. All right. No problem. Well, I know tomorrow, Panda, you have a big show coming up there in Colorado Springs. And the promotion uh, does a lot of good work in the community. Can you tell us what it is you have going tomorrow? Absolutely. So it is Colorado Wrestling Connection, CWC Homecoming. It is their one-year anniversary. So we are going to have an amazing, amazing lineup um, of people. We have a 20 uh, person, so not gender specific, 20 person rumble um, in honor of Chris Chavez, who is one of the um, main promoters and a huge wrestling inspiration here in the Colorado Springs um, and 719 area in total. Um, so we have a 20 person rumble, which I'm a part of. And then our card is pretty much stacked. So we're going to have like the Pillars of Destiny there, Lonnie Valdez, Filter, um, you know, uh, Lilith Grimm and Sam Stackhouse. Um, so it's going to be an amazing night. All ages welcome. Um, kids are super, super cheap, if not free. I don't remember the amount that these are, but you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram, um, Colorado Wrestling Connection. Um, absolutely fantastic homecoming. Doors at five, bells at six um, with a stacked card. So that one is super, super awesome. So I want to make sure there's ample time. If there's anything at all you want to say to the listeners, if you want to plug and promote absolutely anything from social media to upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite seafood restaurant, anything at all you want, floor is yours. Absolutely. So, um, so you got CWC tomorrow. 
Then on February 4th, we have Primo's uh, Pro Wrestling up at the Roxy Theater in Denver, Colorado. It's always sunny for Primo's is the show. Um, you got Caleb Crush, who was on uh, Squid Games uh, recently. Um, he will be there. Marlon Bishop, the beautiful man himself, um, facing off. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. You'll also see me up at XSPW up in Cheyenne, Wyoming on February 10th. Um, the show is called Vendetta which is fantastic. Um, and they got a killer lineup. I, I can't even name just how many um, amazing people that we're going to have at that show. Um, and then last but not least for the month of February, I told you I was in burlesque, um, Champagne Cabaret down at Lulu's downstairs in Manitou Springs. I have a show called Sexy Beast that I will be performing in. Um, in that one, it's animal themes, but it's not like weird animal themes. Um, so for example, I am Dormouse. And if you don't know who Dormouse is, Alice in Wonderland, cool little Dormouse. Think more of like uh, Tim Burton style Dormouse um, is who I will be. So if you want to find me, I got a Facebook, um, Pandamonium, that's M-O-A-N-Y-U-M. So a little play on words. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram of Pandemonium22. Um, so if you guys need anything, Catch me on there, add me, let me know you heard um, this show. I greatly appreciate um, you guys for your questions, inquiries, um, and just the chat. It was a blast being on here, and I hope to be back soon. Absolutely. We would definitely love to have you back here. Best of luck tomorrow there in Colorado Springs and all of your upcoming shows, and we'll definitely have to do this again. Sounds like a plan. All right, as we wrap up, good son, do you have anything to plug or promote? Um, well, I mean, February 17th, I almost got the day wrong, uh, CPW will be back at Club Hectic. Um, we found our new home, uh, and so, yeah, and then that will be the 17th. It's, again, i got to find it again. <laughs> For the love of wrestling, too. At Club Hectic, it's you know, uh, where's? I don't see the times for it yet. <laughs> uh, I believe the same time as uh, last time. VIP uh, tickets always selling. Um, yeah, I believe 6 p.m. for doors for VIP and everything. Then general messages at 7 and I think 8 for the show. This, uh, we will have a couple dark matches for the VIP, so, you know, get your VIP ticket if you uh, want. Um, and then uh, February 24th will be inclusion. I'm not sure exactly where yet. I believe it's all in Kelso, but I'm not sure the venue yet. I believe it's the um, Red Lion Motel. I believe so too. I'm not. Yeah, I know they've uh, they've talked about possibly having to change it. They're not 100% yet, sure yet, but we will find out more in due time. Other than that, that's yeah. That's all I got to plug. All right. Well, fans, you can find us right back here on the air on Sunday. We have Hollywood from the original. Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And then one week from this very day, we kick off Children of Wrestling Month 
We start off with the son of Mr. Wonderful, Travis Orndorff will be with us. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Get out there, support your local independent pro wrestling wherever it may be near you. Everybody stay safe out there. And as we end the day, we have a couple of uh, unfortunate bits of news. Uh, last week, we lost two former guests of our show, the first being Francisco Siazzo, who worked a little bit with Ring of Honor and some with TNA Pro Wrestling, as well as countless independent promotions in the Southeast. Uh, he passed away in his sleep at the age of 49, and then a few days later, we lost former WCW star Ice Train. Uh, so our thoughts go out to the families of those that we lost, and as we wrap up, we will we'll hit the traditional 10-bell salute for them. <laughs> 